The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Friends, family, others, welcome to Thursday's edition of Fantasy NBA Today. Add easy fast to our listeners of the Jewish faith. Happy Yom Kippur. I've lost track of what uh, year it is on the Hebrew calendar, but uh, happy new year on that front as well. Uh, and a good Thursday to everybody else. It's September the 16th. We are a month and three days away from the start of the NBA season. The count up. Remember, we started the offseason with a countdown. Then we moved into a count up philosophy. And now we're just in, hey, it's coming. We've got about four weeks of hard, in-depth draft prep on the horizon here. Maybe a couple days beyond that if we kind of take it right up to the start of the season. And then we pivot immediately into first couple of game surprises because there are some. I want to start today's podcast and we're going to get into the uh, Yahoo 76 to 100 range. That's the topic on today's show. Talking to Aaron Bruski tomorrow. Another nice little Friday visit with our buddy Aaron. Next week, we will be breaking down the, the early Yahoo ADPs and the start of an expert mock. My annual nine cat roto analyst mock that begins tomorrow. I might be posting some of the picks on Twitter, depending on how close I am to my computer over the weekend. And then we'll begin to break that down probably by the middle towards the end of next week. Following that, which brings us to right around the 27th, 28th of September, the turn of the month, that's where we're going to start talking to all of the pros from that mock draft. So that's going to be a lot of fun. A couple things I want to mention here at the front end of today's podcast. One of them is very much on the uh, the fantasy side of things, which is how to deal with the pivot from draft prep to actual season. That's coming up on today's show. The 76 to 100 on Yahoo's pre-ranks is coming up on today's show. Also, two very important notes, things that are for you guys. This is not promo if it's for you. It's promo if it's for us, where we need you guys to do something. Don't worry, I've got some of those I'm going to throw in the middle of the show. The For You department is, number one, Hoopball Leagues are open. I mentioned this, I think, two days ago on the podcast. Please do hit me or my good buddy Andre up on Twitter. Maybe it's easier to just hit me and I can put you in touch with Andre. At Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. If you want to get into Hoopball League, just tell me so. At Dan Bespris, say, Dan, I want to get into Hoopball League. Or if you don't have Twitter, email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. We'll get you set up. Uh, we already have, I think, 14 leagues open this year and counting. Looks like we're opening about a league every single day right now. We'll just keep opening them until people stop showing up and joining. The other for you thing that's coming up here in the not-too-distant future, I will be joining fellow fantasy podcaster Josh Lloyd. You guys all know Josh. He was the sort of the 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 grand pooba of this stuff. Is, not was. Uh, I don't know if it's the first fantasy basketball podcast, but certainly the one that the first one that anybody really put themselves into like that. And so often, which by the way, extremely flattering that you guys put me in that category. I'm like four or five years behind. But I've, I've we've had many tweets of people that are like, Dan, Josh, you guys need to do stuff together. So 
Uh, we've been talking behind the scenes, and we will be doing more stuff together, including a live video mock draft on Monday evening. Monday evening Pacific time. So it's prime time Monday here on the Pacific Coast. Little tougher, I guess, for Eastern time. Very difficult for those of you in Europe. Uh, and also quite easy for those on the other side of the Pacific. So that's something I wanted to tease. Josh and I doing a live mock, live video mock. That's coming up on Monday night. So I'll remind you guys of that on tomorrow's show and on Monday's show as well. Thought you guys would enjoy some of these cool things we've got coming up. And now let's dive into the actual fantasy stuff. First, welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. I'm your host, Dan Bespers, and this is a hoop ball presentation. I wanted to talk, and I don't know why I felt like I needed to do it first on today's show, but I was starting to look at the calendar, and it occurred to me that one of the things that maybe we don't do as great a job of as we could potentially is capitalizing on the first five days of an NBA season. And even to some degree, a bit shorter than that, the first three days of the NBA season, which this year, of course, is going to be Tuesday, the 19th of October, then the 20th and the 21st, that Wednesday and that Thursday. Now, what do I mean when I say we need to capitalize on this stuff? What I mean is we need to be able to figure out the difference between what's real and what's not very fast. There is an inclination, I think, to believe that fortune favors the bold the first three days of the fantasy season. I want to dissuade all of you from adhering to that adage so strictly because you're liable to drop someone who's quite good for someone who's a mirage. So what you need to do going into your fantasy season, is really take stock of your team. This is a strange thing to do because let me talk about it more from the mental standpoint, and then we'll get to what this actually means from a what-can-I-do angle on things. Mentally, we're going to spend so much time preparing for our fantasy drafts. We are going to be so immersed in this stuff over the next 20-some-odd days, and then we have our draft And there's this natural inclination to want to let down our guard for a couple of days. Like, say you have your draft on October 16th. There's an inclination to kind of let down your guard until, like, October 26th. And then say, hey, what's been happening? That's actually an okay... I would call that... I would actually call that slightly better than an average way to... uh, assess your team's standing because it does avoid any rash and foolish decisions. But I would say the worst thing you can do is go into the first day of the NBA season not really having assessed your team and then make rash decisions on that first night. That's the worst thing you can do. The middle of the road thing you can do is what we just talked about, which is like kind of ignoring basketball for one week other than setting your lineup and then taking a look at what's been going on around your league. That's kind of middle of the road, believe it or not. But the best case scenario is a weird combination of those two things. It it almost doesn't make logical sense to say that you need to be both relaxed and extremely (laughs) risky, take a whole bunch of risks all at the same exact time. But you have to find that combination. So basically what I'm saying is, 
after you sink all this time into draft prep and the actual draft of your fantasy team, what you need to do immediately after that is size up your team. Who are the guys that are proven assets that even if they got off to a wretched start, you wouldn't drop them? What are you looking for from the more fringy guys on your team? You might have someone you took in like the 11th round and you don't really know what you're going to get out of them. You don't really know what you're going to get out of them in that 11th round guy. But maybe what you're looking for the first two games of the year is, hey, is this flyer pick I took? Is this guy playing 27 minutes or more? It's not about the actual production from those types of guys. It's about opportunity. And then there's going to be stuff that fools us. Like last year, Nerland's Noel only played like 14 minutes a game right out of the shoot. But we later found out that he wasn't fully healthy. And as he got healthy, his minutes trended up towards 20, even before Mitchell Robinson got hurt and Nerland's became the starter. There's going to be stuff that you just can't really figure out the first three days of the season. The nice part about a situation like that one, if a situation like that were to arise again, is that if you... If you dropped someone like Nerlens Noel on that day, someone probably wasn't about to go pick him up until people start to, started to see his minutes go up. If you drop someone who's playing 30 minutes a game and just, you know, off to a cold shooting start, goes like, you know, six for... Maybe I shouldn't even... That's too big of a number because that's too obvious. Someone who goes like three for 13 on opening night and people are like, 13 shots, that doesn't seem like very much. 13 shots is actually a pretty good size amount. That's a guy maybe you then say, look, I'm not dropping this guy. Even though he had a bad game, the opportunity was there. It just, the math didn't lend itself to what we were looking for. This, of course, a very long-winded way of saying, understand what you're actually looking for out of your non-must-hold guys, out of your flyers, your more fringy types, the guys where you're looking for what? And the reason you do that is because The guys that then pop up the first, really, first game of the year for every basketball team, or even first two games of the year, there may be a big-time surprise guy that absolutely positively needs to be picked up immediately. But because you don't have three weeks, a month, whatever, of data on the players on your own team, there's a huge risk that you end up dropping the wrong guy, that you end up dropping someone from your team that's about to go be a top 65 player the rest of the year for a total mirage. Our podcasts the, that Monday, really, before the season starts, is going to be almost all about this concept. But I wanted to bring it up now, a month in advance, and just put it in the back of your heads. Mentally prepare yourself for the work that happens between your draft and the second game of the season for real basketball teams. Prepare yourself now, because it'll be easier than getting to that point and thinking, oh, I need to take a breath. Not yet. There'll be plenty of times to take a breath in the middle of the season. Not yet. Yahoo is uh, what I would say if I was celebrating something. It's also what I'm saying because it's the main topic on today's podcast as we finish up our exploration of the Yahoo pre-rank board 
as kind of a 76 through 100, which is what I was calling it, but that's not entirely fair because we're going to be doing more of a lightning round blitz type of deal of that 76 to 100, but also kind of zipping through players beyond that and just sort of finding, hey, is there any projection that Yahoo has maybe a little bit more hidden down the board? Perhaps something we didn't notice because one number didn't really align with the others? As we talked about already, the Yahoo list is total bat bleep nonsense for any league you're in. I love this. Um, I love this the, the saying that we came up with earlier this week. I think it was on Monday's show where I said, Yahoo's pre-ranks are not for your league. It sounds so simple, a little bit dumb, but it's actually unbelievably profound. Yahoo's pre-ranks are not for your league, no matter what league you're in. Because they're for everybody and nobody, all at the same time. The projections you can use, if you want to put a little stock into those, you can, I don't care, go for it, whatever. There's somebody you're not sure of, you could use some info from those projections, but not the actual numerical rank board. It's not for your league. We begin with Pascal Siakam at number 76. I don't know why I felt like I needed a hakalugi while saying his name. Pascal Siakam at number 76, who is likely to not be uh, ready to start the season, which means pass. Don't do it. The only way that one makes any sense is if he drops farther and you're in a keeper league. You can just like draft him at 90-something and squat on him for a year and then keep him with like your seventh-round pick the following year. But even that, like you'll probably find somebody on the waiver wire who's a better keeper. You can keep him later. Pass. Clay Thompson at 77. Pass. We got a whole host of injured and not applicable type guys in this zone for Yahoo for whatever reason. Pass. This projection doesn't make any sense at all. Clay Thompson in 44 games is going to be inside the top 80. He's good, man. But what? I don't really care what type of league you subscribe to. Go find someone from last year. Because Clay Thompson historically has been like between 28 and 35. Almost, almost habitually, you could basically set your watch to it. First of all, he's going to be coming back from a a gigantic injury. So even when he comes back in December, missing two months, by the way, that's 30 games, effectively. They're saying he only misses eight the rest of the season? Fine. Even if I subscribe to that theory, he's not playing full minutes in those games. So let's, just for argument's sake, take someone from this last year who was in the mid-30s early 30s on a per-game basis, and missed crap. I mean, it doesn't even tell the story because if you played 45 games this year, that that meant you only missed 27 games as opposed to 37. You're basically talking about somebody this year. Was anybody in the 30s this season that played in, like, 35 games? Anthony Davis, actually, somehow. Anthony Davis. Uh, played 36 games, exactly half the season, which is ever so slightly less than we're talking about with Clay if he actually does get to 44. 
So let's just take Anthony Davis, and then we will adjust upwards ever so slightly. Know where AD finished this year? 135 by totals. And he was 29 on a per-game basis. I don't think Klay Thompson is that high on a per-game. Uh, 44 games is fine. That seems like a perfectly reasonable guess on that. 77? No, this makes no sense in any format whatsoever. Hard pass. I know. I spent too much time on it. I said it was going to be lightning round. D'Angelo Russell at 78. I'm actually kind of okay with that. I He almost always goes too early. Uh, it was number 112 last year while playing mostly hurt. Presumably his steals will be better this season in a, a full year's worth of work. Um, he's not a he's not really a guard that I'm targeting outside of points format. So even this is is conceivably a little bit too early for him. And my guess is that his ADP probably ends up being earlier than this. But um, you know, at least he's not hurt coming into the season. So I guess that's a I don't know if you want to call that a good thing. Kemba Walker at 79. This is a little bit too early. You can't draft him in a head-to-head league. I'm actually okay with this in a Roto Games cap format because he's going to miss 20 games this year, probably. Uh, but he's going to be better than top 80 on a per-game basis. So that's one of those situations where you're like, you know what, if I have a lot of really durable dudes early, I'll just take my per-game upside guys in this 7th, 8th round neck of the woods, and I'll sort of wear it. TJ Warren, right after that, TJ Warren at 80, that's a pass since we found out he's not healthy yet. John Wall at 81, no way. He was awful in 9-cat last year. This is a guy who's only on the rank board because of points leagues. Isaiah Stewart at 82. This is an interesting one. Um, he's, he's still getting a decent amount of buzz in fantasy circles. I think this is a pretty good spot. If you can get him there, There's that means there's a tiny bit of room for profit. Actually, remember we talked about how he could be top 75 in about half a ball game. Um, I do still think he plays more than 24 minutes, so, you know, I... They only have him playing 70 out of 82 games, which is weird because he, he seemed to be quite durable this season. I, I think this may be undercutting him a little bit, but we can loop back around when we get some ADP data on that one. Cade Cunningham at 83. Uh, get ready for some rookie struggles, man. Get ready for four or five turnovers a game. He'll have some fun ones. Go nuts, man. If you're punting turnovers, 8-cat, that's a thing. If you're, uh, if you're punting field goal percent, he could be interesting. So points league, there's an opportunity there. I, you know me. I'm not targeting rookies in a, in a roto league. But there are formats where you can just have a little bit more fun like that. Jared Allen at 84. Yeah, I like that spot for him, actually. He's a very safe second center in this. Again, now we're... Where the hell are we? End of the seventh round, beginning of the eighth round, basically. Yeah, that's totally fine. He'll have a very... He'll have a quietly decent season. And if he's durable, it'll be better than that. Durability would, would hoist him up and over that threshold by quite a bit, actually. If he's durable, he could be a top 50 totals guy. Uh, I like him in that head-to-head mold. Uh, like him a little bit less in Roto, but again, you know, this is swinging back the other way. There's a little bit of old man type of feel to, uh, to Jared Allen here because you're not going to get anything flashy, but you're going to get, you know, slightly under two blocks a game, 1.6 probably, 1.7, 1.8 if we get lucky. He'll rebound. He'll get you good field goal percent. You hope he doesn't tank free throw too bad and, and really not much else. Simple, effective. Simple and effective. 
Uh, Jalen Green on the Rockets, another rook who is going to run into some similar issues to what Cade Cunningham runs into. Question for these guys is can they do anything defensively? Because if that is a hole for them, uh, that's hard to make up when percentages probably are not going to be a super strong suit. Evan Mobley in Cleveland, young center. You know, rookie centers are actually the ones who tend to have enough fantasy game to be productive, but not this soon. They'll play him, but Cleveland has a laundry list of centers. And that's even if Kevin Love doesn't play. Remember, they brought in uh, Larry Markinen to roll alongside Jared Allen. And Mobley probably getting some of the backup minutes at both of those spots, perhaps. And does Isaac Okoro slide up and play power forward? You know, Mobley's probably playing in the in the low to mid-20s in minutes for, I would think, most of the season. Maybe it ramps up as the year goes on. This is this is a guy that I would think about targeting because centers, young centers don't have to deal with the pressure of running a team. But I don't know, if going inside the top 90, these are the guys you hope would fall somewhere outside the top 100, and then you just take a flyer on him. Bogdan Bogdanovich at 87. Surprised he's going this late, actually. He played really, really well for the Hawks down the stretch last year. Uh, the returns of Cam Reddish, uh, DeAndre Hunter, perhaps weighing more heavily on his rank than I thought they would. I thought that, and, and again, this is the pre-ranks. This is an ADP, so maybe he does end up going earlier than this. Uh, but this is an accurate drop down based on other guys taking shots away. I, I didn't think that the big box sides were going to be onto that thing, but it appears that at least this one is. Devontae Graham at 88, pass. He does not have the fantasy game to support 88. Not a guy that shoots 38% from the field. Jordan Clarkson at 89, that's when he gets to if he's healthy, but per game, not much upside there. Better head-to-head pick than, uh, than Roto. He'll be durable. He'll be around the top 100 on a per-game basis, maybe a little bit back of that, 105-110. But in head-to-head, 105-110, that plays every single game. That's actually a really useful fantasy player. Brooke Lopez. Um, probably shouldn't be behind Jordan Clarkson. I know Brooke Lopez was not exactly hyper-exciting last year, but he was number 85, where Clarkson was number 105. And they both played most of their team's games. So uh, the only explanation I can come up with here is that there's an expectation that Lopez plays less than 27 minutes a night. But he actually had kind of a a slow shot-blocking year last season. He dropped down his number of three-pointers and played a little bit closer to the rim, which I like for a big man. So his field goal percent was better. Good foul shooter. Um, You know, he's an old man squad type for sure going in this neck of the woods. This is pretty close to where he's going to be on a per-game basis, top 90. But if he's durable like he was last year, then he makes for a terrific second center in, I think, any format. Because at this point, the very high turnover guys are kind of off the board. So it's not like you're like, well, I'm passing up a high-usage guy to go get Brooke Lopez. The high-usage guys are mostly gone by this point, at least the ones that can help your fantasy team. Not all of them, but mostly. So it's not you're not making that big decision between, hey, should I take this... Dan Bespris old man type, or should I take this this hot flyer type? The hot flyers are are petering out a little bit by here. I will say though, uh, on the Lopez front, he's not going to be inside the top seventy five. Those years are are done. So yes, the upside is capped, and if he gets hurt at all, then this one ends up kind of being a pain in the butt. But he's been very durable lately, and he makes a lot of sense again as kind of a late head to head type of guy. 
Miles Bridges in Charlotte, I truly don't know if he, you know, he found his confidence late last year. Does that stick around with all the additions they've brought in? I'm not willing to risk it. He'll get his playing time, but will he get his usage? Kevin Porter Jr., uh, 92 on the Yahoo pre-rank board. Believe it or not, I actually still think that's too early. I'm horrified of Kevin Porter Jr. with free run all season long. He will take a royal metaphorical deuce on both of your percentages and doesn't do anything defensively. Tailor-made points lead kind of guy. Tailor-made. He's going to score, assist, hit threes. He's going to turn it over a truckload, miss a ton of shots, whether he's at the free throw line or being guarded somewhere. But if you're in a points league, you don't care about most of that stuff. If you're in a nine-cat league, you really don't want to have a guy who's going to sink you in three categories while only kind of helping you a little bit in, you know, two, two and a half. I don't want anything to do, really, with, with Kevin Porter Jr. I know, I know that puts me kind of on the outs with the here's a fun thing we can do kind of crowd, but you know we don't much care for fun here on Fantasy NBA Today. We want to win. Andre Drummond at 93, hard pass. Joel Embiid's backup? No way! I know Embiid's going to miss his 22 ball games, and Andre Drummond will be great for 22 ball games. And that is it. That's a spot starter that you cannot be spending an eighth-round pick on. Not when some of these other guys are still around. Buddy Heald in Sacramento, for instance. Super durable. Absolutely a 10th category kind of guy. Has the durability tag. Will be inside the top 100 on a per-game basis. If his shooting comes back in any meaningful way, he could go way higher than that. I love Buddy Heald in this neck of the woods. Uh, particularly in a head-to-head league. Because, again, you're probably not getting a ton of per-game upside, but there's something in there that could shake out, and it really comes down to field goal percent with him. Uh, Kings tried to trade him. It didn't work. They need his floor spacing still, so he's going to play. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is a tap-in. Again, this is a tap-in. Norman Powell at 95, that's another tap-in. He'll be better this year with Portland. He just didn't shoot very well after the trade last season, but that'll come back around this year. Slow-mo at 96, that looks like another tap-in to me. Memphis still wants to compete. I know that they're sort of jockeying for more young stuff to develop, but he's the guiding force on that team. He's the veteran. He does all the stuff they need him to do. Andrew Wiggins at 97 should get off to a really good start this year, actually, with no Klay Thompson around. So it's kind of like Steph and Wiggins versus the world on that club. Uh, I hate his his percentages, but he actually might see enough volume to overwhelm that for two months. Give me the two-month Andrew Wiggins treatment. And then, again, he's durable. So the head-to-head side, you could make an argument for him all season long. He probably beats this number by totals on the course of the year. Um, likely beats this number on a per-game basis for two months, and then probably behind it the other four months. So plan accordingly. P.J. Washington and Charlotte should see plenty of center minutes. They uh, didn't really... I know they brought in Mason Plumley, who's probably worth an exploratory pick as well, um, but he's not going to play 30 minutes at center this year, so you'll see P.J. play probably 20, and his center minutes are what elevates his value. So I, I like him as a flyer in this neck of the woods as well. Dennis Schroeder, pass, doesn't have the great fantasy game, not going to be a feature guy in Boston. He's sort of like a sub-feature. 
Colin Sexton at number 100 is the absolute perfect spot for him. That's who he is. He's a top 100 guy who scores and does almost nothing else. Prototypical top 100. And now let's kind of just scan. Let's scan from here on out. I want to take about five to 10 minutes just to scan the guys that Yahoo has projected outside the top 100 that I think maybe are worth a a peak or maybe where the projections don't exactly match up with the numbers. But before I do, I want to once again ask you guys to please, if you have a moment, drop a five-star review on the podcast and click the subscribe button. It is my everything this time of year. I need your subscriptions. I need your five-star reviews. It's what powers us up the rank board, and uh, we can't grow without you. We can't grow without you. It's when I need your help. Diehards, I know you guys have probably already done it. If you have anybody else you can find that can do it, please tell somebody about the show This is the time of year for that. Also, it's time to start checking out HoopBall's premium stuff. Draft Guide is out. Fantasy Pass is rolling. Wager Pass, those guys are dominating right now. Baseball props, all sorts of really interesting stuff going on uh, with our Wager Pass guys. And then HoopBall 360, which gets the Brewski 150 in 13 days, the earliest that it has ever been released at HoopBall in our five and change years of existence now. B-150, September the 29th. That's in the HoopBall 360 package and nowhere else in September. A couple of names that jump out to me here uh, outside the top 100 on the Yahoo pre-ranked board. Daniel Gafford is somebody that should have a a pretty good amount of value until Thomas Bryant comes back, whenever that might be. So there's some nice front-end stuff going on there. Lowry Markinen, I think, probably gets to play a fair amount in Cleveland. Rob Covington, pre-rank 106, despite they have him playing 77 at 82 ballgames this year. That's just straight up wrong. It doesn't, it doesn't add up. Even if you think he's 106 on a per-game basis, which I don't, him playing 77 games is more than league average. So this is a number that just doesn't even make sense. Jakob Pertl, uh, they have him missing a bunch of games. Yahoo's got him playing 66 out of uh, 82 ballgames. That's, that's complete and utter nonsense. Um... Even if you think he starts to lose some of his activity in San Antonio, that's a that's a pretty easy one to make an argument for. Um, scanning down the board, Sadiq Bay likely to get a pretty good role in Detroit this year. They've got him at 114. Harrison Barnes at 115. He was simply better than that last year. Evan Fournier at 117. Here we are again. Evan Fournier, always pre-ranked at 115. And then when he gets to play, he's always inside the top 90 on a per-game basis. Question is always is whether or not he can stay healthy. But I would absolutely take a shot at him, uh, frankly, any time from the ninth round on. No question. Jay Sean Tate in Houston. I think you got to like what he did towards the end of last year. TJ McConnell, Kelly Olynyk, those guys all in the 120s for Yahoo. And again, you know, the, the point of me doing this five minutes of lightning round here at the end is... Not to like have you guys write a bunch of names down, but really to think about this more critically that this is the board that everybody's going to be looking at late and everybody's going to be seeing all of these names jumbled up and you got to be willing to go get your guy. These are the names you got to put in that last bucket we've talked about, which is the ranked bucket. We don't split it up. You might have 20, 30 names all in one bucket but you got to put them in numerical order. This is where you have to just figure out who's my guy. I'm going to go get them. Other names that are floating around outside of the top 125. Montres Harrell actually could be kind of interesting in Washington, depending on 
what sort of role he gets. I got to think he's going to be playing some because the front court just isn't very good. Uh, but, you know, I, he's not one I'm targeting necessarily. Less excited about him. Uh, Mason Plumley, Al Horford at 142. I think he's the starter in Boston. Maybe they maybe they come out with a, a curveball there, but anyway, Larry Nance at 146. That one's one you probably don't go head to head on, but Roto, he'll beat that on a per game basis. He could hit 146 per game in 22 minutes, and I think he's playing more than that in Portland. Mo Bamba in Orlando, starter or off the bench, he's better than 148. Daniel Tice at 150. These names are everywhere, guys. Nerland's 156. Davis Breton's 157. They're everywhere, guys. They're everywhere. Chuma Okiki, 163. He's the guy that... He's like one of the main three guys Orlando's building around right now. (laughs) Where are they? What are they doing down here? Derek Rose at 167. Reggie Jackson at 170. They are out there, guys. You just got to decide what order you want to go get them in. Tim Hardaway Jr., Danny Green. Danny Green with minimal upside, but still, Danny Green. Oh, the list goes on and on. DeAnthony Melton, 189. Shouldn't have even brought it out. Got to save these dudes for my buddy Jonas. There aren't going to be that many beyond that point, at least that need to be drafted necessarily. You might be picking them up on the first day of the year, though. And that's where you got to figure out what you're looking for. That's where you got to figure out what you're looking for from your guys the first game of the year. So they're out there, dudes. They're out there. 15, 20, 25, 30 guys pre-ranked outside the edge of the top 100 that are worth drafting perhaps well ahead of some of the guys we talked about inside the top 100. And that is where we put a bow on Yahoo pre-ranks. Again, talking to Aaron Bruski tomorrow. I got more questions on the B-150, draft prep, season prep, all that good stuff. Should be a lot of fun getting into the theory of things. And I'll start setting him up. You guys know I do this every year. I sort of slowly wear him down, and then eventually we get him to give us one of his B-150 hype guys. Probably won't be tomorrow, but we'll see. I'll work on it. Promise. I promise I will work on that tomorrow. So again, tomorrow, Aaron Bruski. Monday, ADPs. We get into ADPs. Then it's mock draft time. Oh, great time of year. Enjoy your Thursday, everybody. Lots of football on tonight, I'm told. I'm Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today. We'll talk to you tomorrow, everybody. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.